Welcome back to Project Freelance. How's it going? Welcome to the show. My name is Kay Anagonio, otherwise known as just the letter K. How's it going, guys? Welcome to the show. This is Project Freelance. This show is all about freelancing. I talk to different freelancers from different industries, whether you are an NFT artist, a musician, an entrepreneur of any kind, photographer, and this week we're actually speaking with an audio engineer and music producer named Lucas Kaczynski. Super excited to have him on the show. He was actually recommended to me by my last guest, Connor. If you guys missed that episode, please go back and listen to it. It's a great episode. This is season eight of the podcast. I've been doing this for several years now, since 2017, and I absolutely love this show. I also have a second podcast about exploring abandoned places, which is the thing that I do when I'm not freelancing. I also use abandoned places as a backdrop for my freelancing projects like music videos and uh, product shoots, things like that. So if you guys are interested in checking that out, it is called No Tracers. So yeah, definitely go check out that podcast. It is my, my little passion project. I love it so very much. If you're new to the podcast, please hit the subscribe button. And if you've been listening for one episode or 100, 100 plus episodes, please do me a favor and leave a rating and feedback on the show, especially on Apple Podcasts. Helps us grow, helps us find a new audience of listeners just like you. So before we get into the show, I have to first thank our partner, which is Liquid Death Mountain Water. If you've never heard of Liquid Death, don't worry, I've got an ad coming for you in three, two, one. From the streams of the Austrian Alps comes a new kind of water. A water that is sure to raise you from your grave. If you're tired of buying cases of plastic water bottles that contain carcinogens and God knows what else, or if you're trying to lower your waste footprint, Liquid Death comes in beautifully rugged aluminum cans. Murder your thirst with a can of Liquid Death. Check the link in the description and use code just the letter K at checkout for 10% off your order. Liquid death, murder, your thirst. So if you would like to give liquid death water a try, use code just the letter K for 10% off your order at liquiddeath.com. I think you have to also get a set of koozies for your, for your canned water. Um, so if you want the coupon code to apply, you can get one case, you can get 50 cases of water, but you also have to get a koozie set in order for that coupon code to apply. Uh, I did have some issues with it in the past, but I recently hit them up and was like, hey, uh, my discount code isn't working. Can you guys help me out? And they they fixed everything and they told me that you now have to buy a set of koozies in order for the discount to work. So thank you guys. Thank you, Liquid Death, for partnering with me. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Luke. Please introduce yourself and what you do as a freelancer. Cool. Well, uh, my name is Lucas Kaczynski, um, based out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I am an audio engineer freelancer as well as music producer um, and kind of dabble in all things creative. Nice. So what got you into music in the first place? Like what made you catch the bug for, for audio? Um. For audio specifically, I always tried to kind of record whatever band I was in, whether it be an old handy cam recorder or a PlayStation 2 headset microphone. Um, I was just very infatuated by 
getting whatever song I was working on into a medium that I could show someone else. So it was always like, like I had a handy cam video camera that I would record myself and my friend skateboarding. And then from there, I kind of think it just translated into audio. And I started diving into some logic and garage band stuff back in high school. Um, was always kind of big into sample based hip hop stuff. And I frequented uh, this one forum back in the early days of message boards online where they would do beat battles kind of. And someone would post a sample as the start of the conversation on the forum, the thread. And then everyone would respond with their version of that sample with whatever beat that they made. So that kind of started me down the sampling road. And then from there, I kept wanting to figure out how to record better and not just off of some crappy PlayStation headset mic that I was using at the time. <laughs> Going into like the sample forums, like that sounds so sick. Is there anything like that that exists today even like where you can post like a beat and then have people like create something out of it, like underneath it as like a thread? Like, I guess like Twitter would be like the closest thing. Yeah, there might still be some forums out there. Um, but the closest thing to that now that has at least uh, an audience behind it, I think, is like Andrew Huang has a YouTube page that does four producers, one sample. And that's kind of closed off where it's just well-known producers that he asks to do the same thing. But the idea is there where he'll post a sample and then four different people will create something out of it. And at the end, they listen to all of them. And then the other one that comes to mind is Kenny Beats has a really big Discord and um, kind of an audience for that where I think he does it weekly. They'll do beat battles that's such a cool concept like i i didn't even like consider that as a thing that could exist until you brought it up and as as like a creator like a video creator i mean like i've done editing contests for like the terminator like the recent terminator movie that just came out oh that's they awesome had, like, an yeah editing contest for like the the main teaser trailer so they they sent you all the raw files and it was like some of them had audio clips some of them were completely silent and you had to like create a trailer and like find the sound effects and do the whole thing it was sick that's really cool yeah i don't know if like forums really exist anymore they kind of do i mean i equate it back to like newgrounds growing up like that was the first forum i think i was a part of and that was all just for like flash animation but then you'd also get some music channels in newgrounds i'm showing my age here where they would just post a random music file that someone created and then you can upvote it or downvote it similar to reddit i think hmm yeah, I guess Reddit would be like the other option as far as like a forum based platform goes. But yeah, I guess Discord, uh, like you said, is kind of another way to to share stuff like that. It's just a super cool concept. And I hope that people listening to this, like try to find or build something similar to what you used to do, because it's so fascinating. and It's such a cool way to flex your creative muscles. I, that, now that you mentioned that, um, there's a server called Indie Music Feedback that I found through Reddit. I think the one of the two creators um, reached out to me and was like, hey, I saw you posted this in this one subreddit. You should try posting it in our subreddit. And they're really good about you can only post something if you give three to five feedback comments to someone else's mm. posts. So you have to build up your feedback before you can post your own stuff. And they have a Discord server that has like weekly events going on. And I don't know if they do a sample beat battle, but that'd be kind of cool. 
they do something similar. Um, but yeah, they're they're a pretty active Discord group that kind of got me through a lot of quarantine. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna actually ask you like, what have you been doing during quarantine? But I, I want to save that question for later because I want to okay. get into like your background and stuff a little bit more. So, um, from creating music and recording music out of a necessity for your own musical projects. Where did you go from there? Like, when did you get your first, like, paid client? Ooh, the first paid client didn't come for a while. It was always just, hey, can I record your stuff? <laughs> Will you? Because that's already such a huge, not request, but you're going out on a limb because you're taking someone's song they've worked on for months and months, even years, and you're taking all that power to translate it into something that, they can then show everyone else. But I think the first paid one came sometime in college where we weren't really supposed to use the facilities for paid stuff. But at that point I felt comfortable enough doing it or I, I, I thought I had my chops up to it. And I mean, it wasn't much, it was like three songs for like a hundred bucks, but it was just kind of going around to, to different shows that were happening in the scene and, throwing my name out there saying, Hey, you guys have a recording. I liked your set a lot. We should record and work together. That's a great way to network too. I mean, as a photographer myself and a videographer, that's really how I cut my teeth was going to local shows and then eventually getting on tours with, with bigger bands and doing the whole tour thing. And it's, I think for, for people listening to this that are trying to get into either the production game or any, any sort of music, avenue whether it be production or photography i think that going to local shows especially now that they're coming back is a great way to get into your field like what what was it like like approaching bands for you when you first started out were you like nervous or was it just like yeah i'm gonna do this and it's gonna work oh i was so nervous i hated every single facet of networking like every, every time we had a guest speaker in a lecture or anything during class there would be a line of students waiting to talk to that person and i would just leave because i i didn't want to be in that situation i wouldn't know what to say i'd be like hey how do you help me in my situation so it, it kind of just came down to being a fan of the artist and wanting to go see a show because i wanted to go see a show not because i really wanted to work with them and then that always kind of came afterwards like there were times where I definitely went up to someone in the very beginning and was just like, hey, I dig your music. We should work together or do something. But that was always hard for me to do. And it didn't come easy for a long time. Um, it only started getting easy when I started doing live sound as more of my freelance work. Because I would not only build up a relationship between soundcheck and the show, but they would get a sense of my knowledge of things audio. Nice. And how'd you get your foot in the door to do live sound? Uh, so I had a, a buddy, Sam, that he started working for a company um, based out of Ben Sale in Pennsylvania. And then he moved to Brooklyn after only working for them, I think for like a couple months. Um, but we, we, the band I was in with him, we played a show at Silk City in Philly. And the person doing sound was like, I think they were just talking together. And Sam showed interest in doing it himself. I really didn't have any interest in the beginning. Um, but at the time, I was working at restaurants and opening up the studio. And the restaurant work was good money, but it was super draining to do that for most of my income. And 
once he moved to Brooklyn, I kind of reached out to him. I was like, hey, do you think they'd have any interest in hiring a different tech since now you left and there's there's a spot to fill? So then I got my foot in the door getting the email of the owner from him. And then from there, it just propelled to me doing sound for the past six, seven years. Wow, that's incredible. I love that you like used your circle to like, you know, put yourself in that position. I think that it's it's a great way to uh, show off your your skills as well and build your skills doing not only live sound, but that surely helped you with your studio work as well, did it not? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's just all networking at that point. Like you, if you're someone that's easy to work with and people enjoy being around you, you can fake the skills before you get them. And then you're just, you, you get the next gig by, by being a good attitude. Somebody wants to be around you when shit hits the fan and you can kind of keep your composure and make light of it while still doing your best to make the show go on, then you'll get the next job. Absolutely. And that goes the same across any uh, type of freelancing work, you know, have a, have a good attitude and keep your head level whenever like the going gets tough for sure. Um, so do you have a preference? Like, do you prefer to do one over the other live sound versus studio work or is it about equal? Uh, They both have their perks for sure. I really enjoy both because at the end of the day, I can show a bunch of friends a record. They can't go see the live show after it's done but then Mm. with a live show there's 500 people listening to the mix that i'm doing at the same time in real time and then there's downsides where you get a million revisions from a band and there's no more money anymore but you still have to make sure that they like the final product on the record and then live shows you're you're done once the show's done you get your paycheck and you're you're out so there's uh yeah it has its ups and downs but i i i don't know if i could pick one i really enjoy both for sure yeah and the same goes for what i do as like a video editor like i'm actually dealing with it now like the budgets run out for the the project but like they're asking for more changes and they they need the final project you know what i mean and it's like one of those situations where you're like Oh God, I just have to like tough this out and and get through it. And, you know, going through those moments and those, those more difficult times, I think build us stronger for future projects and to deal with different situations. Sure. And it's, it's a, it's a hard position to be in because at a certain point you're working for free, but you also Mm -hmm. want that product you've been working on for so many hours to come out as, as best as possible so you know that the client is super happy with it and the end product gets everything it deserves so it's uh it's definitely a push and pull in that sense definitely and uh can you talk about some of your favorite projects you've worked on and maybe some of the more complex projects that you've done Ooh, um i just put out a release that's up there for one of my favorites i worked with a, a friend who was a longtime client and I worked as more so like a session drummer and um, kind of an engineer working on his music. And this one, we kind of came together and co-wrote three songs. It came super easy. And I, I started getting comfortable using Ableton as a DAW in the studio, which was always hard for me to multi-track with. But I set up a template and it made it so easy to just write and record at the same time. And mm. I'm slowly trying to make that work over Pro Tools now. It's a hard switch, but if I can get it there and get all like the technical stuff where I want it to be, 
I mean, I can, I can drop a guitar an octave lower and make it sound like a synth and time align it perfectly in like five minutes. You can't do that with pro tools. <laughs> that is so pretty impressive. A, yeah. It's just, it's such an easy, intuitive DAW that there's some stuff that, that is not as good as pro tools is with just six, like taking 12 inputs for a drum set and recording them simultaneously. You got to kind of finagle it to do it that, that workflow the same way but um but yeah that project kind of pushed me into a new recording direction which was super fun that's awesome and i love that it's like something relatively recent so that you're you're gonna build off of that and only progress far farther through it yeah it's hard it's hard as a creative to talk about anything but the most recent right (laughs) it's the one that's like fresh in your mind yeah for sure, for sure. I, I feel the exact same way, definitely. So let's talk a little bit more about gear, the gear you use, your microphones, your interfaces, all that kind of stuff for all the gearheads out there that are trying to get into audio production. Like for for beginners, like what would you recommend some gear for, for those people? Um honestly, I think the best bit of advice is really learn the gear you have before starting to blow your budget on the next best thing. Um, it depends on what you're trying to do, but I, for my home setup, I have an Apollo twin and I love that because I can plug a guitar into it and put a Marshall Plexi on it. And it sounds like a Marshall Plexi and you can't really get that with many other interfaces. Um, I, I feel like Ableton's one of the easy, I I'm partial to that cause I learned it, but once mm-hmm. I went fr- from logic to Ableton, I never looked back to logic. I just think for the for the way I work and being heavily sample based influenced with uh, that hip hop stuff in the earlier days kind of really pushed me towards Ableton where you can warp any audio so easily. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know, learn what you have before starting to branch out because you could do so much with so little nowadays. It's really That's all just in the computer. Um and aside from that, learn theory. That's something I never did. <laughs> but if you could talk to whoever you're recording and say, oh, go to the third chord in that scale, then that's you have such a leg up on any other engineer. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And speaking of like education backgrounds, like you had mentioned that you had kind of started doing this in high school and, and in college. Uh, what did you study in school and are you like professionally trained in audio or do, are you completely self-taught? Um, so I came out with a bachelor's in science of music industry with a tech concentration. I went to Drexel in 09, graduated in 13 and um, it was, it was awesome. There was a lot of good professors I studied underneath. Um, I still use Ryan Schwab. He was one of the studio manager and one of my professors and he's mastered a bunch of my stuff as well. Um, but there, I think the, the most beneficial part of it for me was the facilities. I got to work on, on SSL consoles and work in floating rooms and have all these nice microphones and equipment at my disposal and getting the network of the professors. They, they didn't just like throw me away after I still keep in touch with a lot of them. I just did a remote drum session for, um, the head of the program. Actually, he had a client based out of Ireland and we worked on some drum tracks for his new song all remotely. So there's this plugin called audio movers. Uh, it's called listen to, and you can put it on your master fader or an aux bus. And then 
and it pumps out a stream key. So you plug it into your web browser and you can listen to lossless audio directly from my DAW. Whoever has that link can just listen to the session. So he wow. was remote controlling with Chrome remote desktop, the studio computer. And then I had my laptop behind the drum set in a zoom call. So we would just like mute our microphones. I would mute my laptop microphone, do a drum pass. They would all be listening on their home studios in their monitors and everything. And then after each take, I would unmute myself from the laptop. We would talk about the take and take it from there, but it worked way better than I thought it would, but it was so cool. Like I'm working with a client based out of Ireland. Like that, that was awesome to me. Yeah, that's sick. That's sick. You know, like I, so I studied overseas. I, I kind of grew up a little bit in the middle East and in Australia. And when I was studying film, I have a bachelor's in film production. So when I was studying film, I kind of wish that you know, my, my instructors had like stayed in touch with me or if I had, you know, vice versa, stayed in touch with them more just to kind of see where they went and see, like, you know, show them like my progression. But like, I think like growing up overseas, it kind of hindered me from building like a strong connection like that because I, I was only there temporarily. Yeah. I mean, it's not too late. You could still reach out to True. them say, Hey, how have you right. been? This is me now. Yeah check out my new uh, resume or portfolio. I'm sure yeah, they would appreciate sure. it too. I, I feel yeah. like people appreciate that way more than you even realize. Um, I, I, I kind of only kept in touch with them because I'm still inside the city. I went to school. And I feel like Philly is kind of a special place for that. I haven't really been in any other music scene as endearing as this one. Mm. So that, that I feel like that played a huge role in my path as well. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this question could go either way. Some of my guests are like, I, I don't really want to like, you know, talk about that, but I'm going to ask you this question. Have you ever been screwed over on a job or not been paid or anything like that? Because it is something that we deal with as freelancers. Yeah, I won't say names, but absolutely. Um, For there's, sure. there's been, there's been multiple times, not with not being paid specifically, but the job just turned into something that it didn't seem it was going to be. Um, actually, I, without even bringing up names, I'll bring up the first record I was supposed to, well, I was in the process of recording the first record when we were opening up Sleepless, the studio. Um, and I was talking to a band about recording their album and the back and forths were like probably 10 hours on the phone. Um, it was like 20 emails back and forth they brought in their friend cc'd on an email that was also an engineer that was asking me what i was going to do with like all the signal flow my preamps i was going to using for every every mic they wanted to know and at a certain point i was like we're charging you like 500 bucks for five songs including a mix and master because it's the second record we were ever going to do in the space so i walked away from it and it was really hard for me to do because i was like this is the first record outside of my friends I was going to do in a new business I'm opening up. So I was so scared to do it, but talking to the other two owners, they were just like, dude, this is not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth our time. We're already giving them such a deal. And there's just so much back and forth for something like that. It's like they, they wanted like electric lady studios with that production. And I was like, guys, we're just starting. We're giving you a hell of a deal here. So it was, uh, in hindsight, I'm very glad. I yeah. walked away from that. 
Yeah, for sure. And sometimes you have to know when to walk away. You know, it's it's not always easy, like you said. And especially if you're starting a new business and you need the money, you know, like it's super hard to walk away from those opportunities. But, you know, if it's if it's going to be more of a headache than it's worth, like you you have to walk away. And, you know, my my dad is a businessman and he always said, like, the more bullshit I have to put up with, the more zeros you got to add to the end of that paycheck. Yeah, that's very true. You, you, uh, it's, it's weird. The, the clients that have no budget are the ones that expect the world and the clients that have a big budget, they don't email you until they need the product at the end of the day. And they're the (laughs) easiest ones to work with. It's so true. It's so true. And even like when I apply for gigs as a freelance video editor or videographer, like the lower the budget, the more like preliminary questions they ask you. And like the higher the budget, they ask you like one question, like, can you deliver this by this date? You know, it's so true. And I don't know why that is. It might be like an insecurity thing, but I I don't, I've never understood that. I feel like because the bigger budget people have worked on so many projects and the smaller budget people, that's probably like their life's project. That's like their baby. That's, that's Mm -hmm. gotta be what I equated to. Whenever there's some sort of weird experience I'm going through, I have to remind myself at the end of the day, this person's probably worked on this for so many months before I even heard anything. Right. So it's like, just hum- humble yourself. Remember, this is their baby, not yours. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, have you ever had any internships anywhere before you opened your own studio? Uh, I did. I'll call it like two and a half. The one I went like twice before I needed to for school. And then I had two others that I did for school. So Drexel has a co-op program um, for music industry, all intensive purposes. It was a summer internship, but other programs in the school they'll do since Drexel's on quarters for their semesters. Um, it just goes with the seasons. So some programs would do two term co-ops which would be winter fall or spring summer Um, for us it was just summer so i did one internship at sigma sound in philly and one in fourth street recording in santa monica california nice so you you came out to california where you like you resided out here yeah it was awesome i loved it that's sick yeah i mean santa monica is a cool spot to be if you're trying to like get into the industry and break your teeth that's where i first went when i moved out to california as well it's rough out there. For sure. <laughs> I, uh, For sure. That whole networking thing that I was so afraid of during school <laughs> was like amplified times a thousand. You'd meet some people at like a bar and they would give you the elevator pitch. I was like, dude, I'm just yeah. going to drink, man. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. It's because everyone out here, they tell you like, you're never going to know when the opportunity is going to rise. You got to give your pitch every opportunity you can. <laughs> it was so weird though. I was like, we're at a show yeah. right now and it's cool to like talk about that <laughs> stuff. But it was, it was super bizarre because I drove across country for, we left from Allentown PA. Um, actually Sam, the same kid that got me the first gig doing live sound. We took his parents Volvo hatchback. Me, him, and our other buddy, Ben, we were all in the same band together, and we drove from his parents' place in Allentown to Santa Monica, and when people heard that we were sharing a car, they would just walk away from me mid-conversation. They're like, oh, you're nobody. You drove across country in one car with three people? I was like, okay. It was super bizarre. But the internship was awesome. Fourth Street Recording treated me like family. They were, that was the first really good internship I had. Um, I was assisting with uh, the neighborhood's I Love You record, and uh, oh, wow. that actually just went gold. I, I didn't get any credits on it, which I was kind of bummed about, but that wasn't the studio's fault. That was more like the label heads. 
but it was it was some cool experiences for sure they having gone from a really bad internship before they I, I wasn't expecting them to be so nice to me and they were they taught me a lot of stuff too that's awesome so speaking of like credits and things can you talk about that process of like how that works for people that are new to audio production and engineering how that works how you can get your credits and how you can make sure that they they actually come through like as far as like a contract goes or like how do you get that stuff implemented i'm probably the worst person to ask about that i don't have an all credits page or a discog page i really should but most of the projects i work on are smaller bands without a label so um, and at the end of the day i just look at the release if it's not on whatever platform, they'll be like, "Hey guys, can you, you mind throwing my name up there?" Like I asked. <laughs> like I don't, I don't make a huge deal out of it. At the end of the day, I, uh, I I made a website for myself, and that's really what helped me get other projects. And more so than anything, I feel like it's just been word of mouth. But um, a couple times, like we've gotten Sleepless Sound Studios, plural on, on oh. the credit and it's gone on like a vinyl print too i'm like guys i said one <laughs> studio <laughs> we don't have a b room <laughs> oh my god but i don't know end of the day i feel like it's it's really important for sure but i've always been pretty bad at it yeah like I, I, I still need to update my bmi account for this last release i put out i haven't even done that yet <laughs> For sure. Definitely. I mean, I, I kind of have a similar story. Like I, so I'm also a metal screamer. So I, I've done metal vocals for since That's I was That's like awesome. We should talk past this. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm always down for sure. So I'm in two bands, but, uh, I did a feature with this guy from like Israel. Right. And he's a rapper and he was like, this song's going to be played on the radio. Uh, here's the, the track. I would love for you to like scream rap over it. And I was like, cool. I love rap music. Like I grew up on rap music, rap and metal were like my, my two loves, you know? So I, I like scream rapped over this track, send it to him. He loved it. Didn't need any revisions. Uh, I did it for free because like where he lives, it's like sanctioned. So they can't even like send money out of the country. And I was like, you know what? It's fine. I want to be a part of this. It sounds super cool. And it's going to be on the radio. That's, that's dope. So they released a song and they, (laughs) my name is Kay in Agonio, right? They put my name as Kenna Gonio. <laughs> so like a million people, a million people in another country <laughs> think my name is totally different than what it actually is. And there's no way for them to change it. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. I, I yeah. haven't done too many international collaborations, but it always seems like it, it, it's a challenge with that. For sure. And it's definitely, it was definitely a learning experience, but you know, it's super cool to be a part of it. And like, I'm not, I, all I can do is laugh about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you still have that song that you can exactly. throw on your resume or you can exactly. show someone. Right. For sure. And then, uh, can you talk about some of your favorite, uh, music producers, engineers, people that you looked up to when you were first starting or people that you still look up to today? I was really bad at it first starting. Um, it took me a while to kind of like, I'm still learning some of my favorite records growing up who produced it and how they did it. Um, one of the big ones for me that kind of made me dive into some, some production was, um, the band Arx bandits has always been a huge influence on me. And when I found out that they did all of their recording live, except for like vocal overdubs at the end, I was blown away because the performances on those records are insane. 
So I, I just dove into those sounds and like listening to between the notes, those kind of sounds on the record, like all the decays of stuff. And it was always really room heavy present. You could hear the room on those albums. And that was always something that kind of played a huge part in my production. So I started like looking at like, I know Steve Albini is huge and like his drum tones are room mics for the most part. A lot of times he doesn't use too many close mic techniques on his kit. He'll put them there, but I feel like most of his mix sounds are from the room. And that was always such a huge thing for me because I just loved how a room sounds. And now in this digital age, it's it's kind of a lost art a little bit where when you hear it, um, it, it stands out way more than it used to. Another big Definitely. one was uh, the band Russian Circles was always a big one too because those drum sounds are huge and I loved those recordings. That was another artist where you can really hear the room on those recordings. But um, I feel like Jerry Finn was a big producer that I didn't even realize I kind of looked up to. He did like, I think he started with the Dude Ranch Blink-182 mix and then from there produced Enema of the State and Take Off Your Pants, which just turned 20. That is insane to me. Dang. That turned 20 oh. yesterday. That's so yeah. crazy. I was in fifth grade, I think, when that album came out. Fifth or sixth grade, and I played it, like, nonstop. That's but, so crazy. Um, yeah, and then, like, uh, as far as the other side of the coin, I, I listened to a bunch of, like, like Dilla was huge. Um, I loved all, like, the East Coast, Biggie, Wu-Tang. Um, and then, like, Dre was also huge, too listening to Dr. Dre's productions was absolutely a crazy point for like high school Luke. <laughs> nice. So my last question for you is what is something, you know, now that you wish you knew when you started all of this? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, hmm. It's all going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> it all kind of works itself out. Even that first year I went full freelance and I quit the restaurant job. I knew I had the restaurant job if I needed it. I, I was really close with the manager there. So I, I knew I could be like, Hey, Ray, like I need a, a shift this weekend. I'm low on funds, but I didn't have to do that. The first winter was scary. Cause especially with live sound things, even with studio work, I th feel like the winter in the, the, the east coast area just kind of all slows down everyone stays inside a lot more it's more so like nine to fivers and then everyone just hangs out indoors afterwards but it it was a it was a learning experience where i i realized i should have saved a little bit more but it it all still kind of worked itself out projects didn't come as often but they still came and the I guess the other thing was that like you have to search for your next job while you're in your job. Yeah. You can't just stay relaxed because you're like, oh, I got a ton of work right now. But then you look at the next month and a half out and there's nothing booked. And that time comes way faster than you ever expect it because you're so into your work currently that you're doing. I'm still Absolutely. learning to do that today. That's a yeah. hard one. Yeah, I mean, I'm I I used to be really bad about that, but like within the past past couple of years, I've definitely like been more on top of it. Like you you're right. Like you have to be applying for gigs if you're a freelancer or you have to be like seeking out new clients if you're if that's what your freelance 
uh, business needs, you know, like you always got to be looking for the next thing in order to keep the snowball rolling down the hill, as they say. Yeah. And it's hard to remember, but it does also, I feel like it gets easier because gigs come to you more so the further into your freelance life than they do in the beginning because you've made that many connections. And as long as you don't burn a bridge, those connections will always stay open and they might not give you work, but their friend might not need work. And you're the first person that they think of when that friend's like, Hey, do you know anyone? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, and I guess I I totally forgot to ask you, uh, how was your COVID? Like, what did you do during the pandemic? Like, was business still going for you? Like, how'd you how'd you manage to make it through that that whole time? We we consciously didn't take on to we didn't take on any in person sessions. Um, I I was fortunate where I had a good support system. I had um my, my buddy was a chef at the at a nice restaurant like five star dining and the owner was just like hey take all the food in the walk-in and just do whatever like donate some bring it home so i was like i had like caviar in my fridge and like wagyu beef and like <laughs> he made me like steak and eggs every morning it was <laughs> like the beginning of quarantine for me was lovely and i, I it's like such a dick thing to say but it was it was nice. I it was the first time in my life I didn't have a schedule I needed to do. So I mm-hmm. almost had a breath of fresh air, but I was on tour sound teching for a band. It was my first substantial tour that it was supposed to be um I think 4 or 5 weeks long and about right before the third week I flew home early. Um so I was super bummed that that got cut short cuz I was having a really good time on the road with the band and um so that was that was a bummer but being home and not having anything to wake up for and do the next day was honestly a breath of fresh air I feel like it it helped me take a step back and look at what I was doing but the beginning was a lot of margaritas and a lot of indulging in that food that was (laughs) in my house now and then from there I started uh, the last, not this most recent release, but the one before that was the first one I really tried to get some press for. So I, I hit up a friend who worked in uh, PR and asked for his help and he kind of held my hand, but I had all the time in the world to do it. So I was just really trying to put that EP out as best as possible. And I had the time to reach out to blogs and some other um places and that's when i kind of found that that discord server too indie music feedback so i was really pushing the ep with them and kind of building relationships with people online um and it helped me it helped me learn a lot of things about putting out a record because i never really gave that much of an effort all my efforts were into the production side of things not the business side air quotes Mm -hmm. business um but I, I learned a lot from the process of doing that. I learned I don't ever want to do it again, but I think I could if someone paid me to. Um, and it also it made me realize the, the, the benefits of getting people to help you do things. Like then I had all the time in the world. Now I don't at all. So I, for this last release, we hired a PR company and I had a digital marketing uh, company also help us with the release. So I didn't have to make any of the the digital assets to push. Um, 
and they that also kind of just helped with like scheduling things i think i answered that question i kind of went off on a tangent but no i love tangents it's a podcast that's what they're for (laughs) (laughs) cool Cool. so if uh people want to keep following your journey or if they want to potentially hire you for either a a live gig if they're coming through your city or if they potentially want to take you on tour or even hire you for studio work where is the best way for people to get a hold of you and find you online um probably my website uh, lucaskozinski.com k-o-z-i-n-s-k-i it's an annoying last name or you can find uh most of the stuff i do for all my weird production art music is fried monk so on instagram it's just fried underscore monk m-o-n-k all right guys that was my episode with luke kaczynski if you guys want to check out his work i've put links down in the description for you if you're new to the podcast please hit the subscribe button and if you've been listening for one episode over 100 episodes however long you've been listening for please leave a rating and feedback on the show especially if you're on apple podcasts it helps us find a broader audience of listeners just like you we are now into season eight so if you've if you're new to the show please go back and listen to the previous seasons there's tons of episodes of the show for you to dive into and I would love for you to jump in with me into past episodes the first few episodes of the show were stories of my journey and my tips and tricks for getting into freelancing and then after that it's all guest based with uh, some solo podcasts here and there about like my trip to NASA when I went behind the scenes of NASA and things like that. So if you guys are interested in coming on the show, please hit me up at Project Freelance on Instagram or Twitter. My links are in the description and we'll get you on the show. No matter what kind of freelancer you are, I want to hear from you. I want to hear your story. And I know that my my listeners, my viewers also want to hear your story. Thank you guys. Please subscribe. I'll talk to you next week with another episode. Stay strong. Keep enduring.